up, guys? I'm me, Jay. I'm joined by Kendall. Thank you all for checking out this edition of the Uncommitted Podcast. We really got a big show for you guys. We got some breaking news today. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Imani Bates announcing he is committed to the Memphis Tigers. He is enrolled it doesn't even really at the school, Kendall. And Kendall, not only is he getting committed, hide my not only is he committed, he's enrolled, meaning that he's going to be part of the Memphis Tigers for this upcoming season. He joins Jalen Dern, another top three player. Both guys previously from the 2022 class, now joining the 2021 class to play college basketball this season for Penny Hardaway, a, a massive coup for the Memphis Tigers. So that's going to be a lot of the, the, the focus of today's podcast. We'll talk about the, the signings. We'll talk about what that means for Memphis's season and then how they stack with the rest of these teams. Then we're going to talk about that 2022 class. Now that two heavyweights have kind of been taken out of that class, where does the rest of the, the field kind of stack up? So we'll be talking about a lot. This should be a great podcast. And Kendall, I know you must have been just ecstatic as the Memphis fan on this podcast to get the news that Bates was going to be joining Duran to really form a, a true uh, NBA jam-like two-man punch in college basketball. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny. I just mentioned to you uh, before we jumped on that uh, the, the last video we did, the last uncommitted podcast uh, episode that we did, um, was actually talking about, you know, Chad Holmgren, your guy, Chad Holmgren, committing to Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, you know, how exciting that was to be for a Gonzaga fan. And the other topic we talked about during that episode was, you know, the rumblings or the word that Jalen Dern may have passed Imani Bates and how he right. felt about that. And, you know, that whole discussion. And um, that was that was months ago, obviously. And, you know, never would I have thought at the time that the next podcast, the next uncommitted podcast <laughs> we would do, we'd be talking about Imani Bates and Jalen Dern reclassed to the 2021 class and that they're both going to Memphis. I mean, the way that this thing came together in a matter of, you know, months, um, you know, pretty much over the, the, the peach jam, pretty much over the, the Nike, you know, EYBL, you know, summer, which wasn't much. It was basically one or two events. Yeah. Um, credit to Nike for, you know, condensing the, <laughs> the AAU tournament, the AAU season as much as possible. But um, the way this came together, um, you know, I know, I know you remember EJ, I had, you know, I had texted you a couple of times, you know, when, when Penny offered Imani Bates, yeah. you know, saying like, you know, I don't know, I guess Penny's taking a shot here, you know, Bates had decommitted from Michigan state, mm -hmm. which seemed, you know, I don't think anybody was like shocked. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, about I, it, I, I, yeah I told you it was likely when he, when he, when he, <laughs> yeah, in his, when he in right? his announcement, he said, you know. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> like, uh, this whole announcement is about what's happening in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that wasn't a shocker when that happened. But then when Penny offered him, it was like, you know, I, don't know, I guess you're just taking a shot in the dark. Yeah. Um, But, and we had already been in there with Duran, but it wasn't, you know, necessarily a reclassification thing. But when, when that smoke started to come up, I remember you told me, you were like, man, hopefully Penny can get one of you guys you know, <laughs> hopefully he can he can get he can land one of these guys. Cause he's going he's been going after them since yeah. day one. Um, so yeah, it's it's terrific as a Memphis fan. Um, you know, this is you know the best. This is the best day since easily since Wiseman uh, committed, which has been not a whole lot of great days since then. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> because of uh, what the NCAA did to us that year. Um, and then before that, I mean. Again, Penny getting the job and, you know, I guess Memphis, you know, winning the, uh, you know, going to the Final Four. Yeah, you I know? say, yeah, right. Cal yeah. Perry, Derrick Rose. That's a long like, time. You know, that's a long time before Memphis has been this excited. So um, we'll talk more about what that means for, yeah. for this team. But uh, what is, what's your initial reaction? Yeah, I mean, to me, like you said, I think the timeline is fascinating because you we talk about how these two kind of squared up against each other in the uh, in one of these AU tournaments over the summer. We talked about it on this. Yeah, and, and Duran had outplayed Bates. Yes. And so that was a conversation with well, me. I guess Duran had passed Bates. And remember, yeah. after that, about a week later, I remember texting you saying, you know, Imani Bates just joined 
Jalen Durant's age. Right. Gene. So exactly. I don't you know, he really does have the Kevin Durant gene in him on some <laughs> level. Because this was that was the craziest thing in AAU that I ever seen. Yeah. Um, but I guess that was the seed that was planted for this thing to even happen was Bates playing on Jalen Durant's AAU team team final. Yeah, and then once that happened, then you start to hear the underground rumblings of, hey, man, these guys might end up being a package deal for whatever yeah. happens in the future, especially when, you know, Bates had, uh, now that Bates had, had uncommitted, uh, no pun intended, this podcast uncommitted. <laughs> um, but, I mean, to me, I, I, I got to say, I mean, this is one of the biggest recruiting coups uh, I've ever seen. You know, this to me is a very reminiscent of Coach K locking up R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and um and uh and uh, uh, uh why can't I say the Cam Cam Reddish of course yeah uh, that that you know that that class I mean the Zion you know the Zion commitment just coming out of nowhere is still one of the most shocking <laughs> yeah. one of the most shocking commitments I've ever seen in college basketball to form that yeah. just crazy uh, three headed monster this to me is, is is it rivals that I mean you're talking about Imani Bates who for a lot of folks maybe the best high school player since LeBron James. I know that people have cooled on him a bit because of uh, what some have considered a lackluster season and an impressive uh, uh, AAU run. I kind of feel like a lot of this hysteria around his game in terms of like people being concerned is really overblown. I mean, he's 17 yeah. years old. He's not always going to play yeah. the best. It just it, he's coming out of a pandemic where they didn't have real team practices yeah. and things like that. Like, yeah. And and I know I do understand that this is an important part of his career, and you know, very little any disturbances can stunt a guy's growth. But he is very young, so this idea that if you really thought he was that great, I, you got, I think you got to give him a lot of rope in terms of what you may see. And the guy was still sensational. Let's keep it 100. It's not, like, thing, exactly. it's not like the guy, oh, he was, you know, all of a sudden he, he was, you know, yeah. averaging five points a game and was shooting 20. He was still averaging 20, 25 points, yeah. still doing incredible things. Maybe he just, maybe the, 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 the leap that people expected to see this season we didn't see. But I'll be honest, right. I feel like a lot of guys that I've watched this year in terms of that class, I didn't see the biggest leap uh, from year to year. So I think that yeah. he's in some ways getting more penalized because of his talent. But we know the talent is through the roof in terms of a guy his size, with his handle, his shooting ability. Of and I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, because people compare him to LeBron, mm-hmm. he's never, don't ever compare anybody to LeBron. He was never going to be that, blah blah blah. Because those were legitimate conversations, you know. Yep. I mean, given the talent level, the projection um, at the time, I think, I think where people were getting, were going overboard, and I said this at the time was. When we started to talk about when he was a sophomore winning Gatorade National Player of the Year over right. Kay Cunningham, and he's the best player in high school basketball, like that was just ridiculous. Given mm-hmm. again, how good someone like Kay Cunningham, like Jalen Green, I just couldn't say that a 15 year old, you know, who hadn't been those types of wars and at the high school level was going to be better than those guys. So right. at that time, and so when they when people started to see that, you know, as he got older, he wasn't nearly he may not have been as advanced as some of those other guys at the same stage, you know, that that's what that's what hurt him. But again, when you're talking long term, you know, upside, you're talking again, also tangible like skill set. You know, his ability his shot making ability is is up there with the, the best players you'll ever see at the high school level. Right. Um you know, not the most efficient, but he plays on a AAU team with his name on it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't expect you know, I don't expect the efficiency to be there. Yeah, he's he gonna, you know, he, gonna get he, all. He, he gonna get them. He gonna get them shots up. <laughs> no question. Yeah, he's gonna that. get the shots up. He doesn't have a whole lot of help around him. You know, when he played with Team Final, he was. I mean, that's that's the best he played. You know, really all year was that stint he played with with Jalen Dern. He's on a stacked team, but it allowed him to play real basketball. You know, he wasn't seeing double teams all the time. He was he was getting open shots. He was. Being able to play the point guard rather than having to, you know, take every shot for the team and make plays for other guys. He could play off the ball, he could play on the ball, um, and that's going to be more like what we'll see with him from from Memphis. Um, but it's the, the the reclassification part of this is interesting. Before we get to the Memphis part, mm-hmm. because you know that class of 2021, you know, we talked about it for quite a bit quite a bit on this podcast. You know, Ben Carroll, Holmgren. Um, I know EJ probably thinks it's Holmgren, Bancaro, uh, Jaden Hardy, you know, mm-hmm. Pat Baldwin's the guy we talked about. And now 
You know, you you take the top two guys from the junior class and put them in the senior class. I've never seen this before. Uh, I don't so, know if this has ever happened. Yeah. Uh, what 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 do you make of that? I mean, it's it's certainly uh, it certainly is, is again it's kind of unprecedented. I mean, we've seen maybe one guy here and there, like a, a Marvin Bagley, you know, join right. a class, and he becomes the top guy. Yeah, and the Edwards, Barrett, and those guys. Yeah, guys have classed. Yeah, but it's rare you see two of almost the unquestioned top two guys, or at least the most two guys people talk about the most, this late in the game, go to the same school. It really kind of throws a monkey wrench into everything. I mean, to me, I think they're among the top guys. I've always felt like uh, Bancaro and Chet were very close. And then, to me, these two guys leapfrog pretty much everyone else in that class to me. This now becomes a big four as opposed to a big two. It's no disrespect to any of the other kids who are fantastic players that right below Chet and, and, and Ben Carroll, but I think we kind of have seen enough to be like, there's two top guys and then there are other guys who are really good players who may break out and have great freshman seasons, may rise up and be a top player, but they haven't necessarily shown that yet. Um, these guys, I think, come in. They leapfrog those guys. I mean, these, these. I mean, Duran is just, uh, uh, just a monster. I mean, he just. I, I told you, he, to me, he looks like Dwight Howard. You know, Dwight, yeah, yeah. Dwight Howard, like in his fourth year in the league. I'm not even talking about Dwight Howard as a rookie. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, you don't see high school kids built like, uh, like Jalen Duran, and yeah. the, not just the, the physical stature, but the 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 coordination and the foot speed. I mean, this guy was guarding Imani Bates <laughs> yeah. in, in a game and, and, and yeah. guarding him well. You know, I mean, the guy's are, are a special physical specimen. They aren't – they just don't make people like that. And yeah. he easily becomes one of the top guys in this class. He's not as polished as the other three guys if you include Bancaro and Chet, but the physical profile is is too elite to, to not put him up there. So it really, it really shakes up the class a great deal. I mean, these guys come in and really easily become two of the top guys in the and class. And for Duran, it shakes up the NBA draft. I mean, obviously we're NBA draft guys, right. and now we're talking about a guy in Jalen Duran that, you know, I don't think he'll be the number one pick just because of the way he plays and, um, you know, the way the game is going, where the game right. is going. You know, skill is at such a premium right now. Not to say that he has no skill, mm-hmm. but just – you know, the, you mentioned the skill level of guys like Holmgren and Bancaro, um, you know, like you know, Jaden Hardy and, and Pat Baldwin. Not to say he won't go ahead of Pat Baldwin. He may not go. He may go. He, he won't go ahead of uh, Jaden Hardy. But mm-hmm. um, I find it hard to believe he'll be the number one guy. But you know, um, now that's a, that's a, he's going to be a top five pick. I'd be surprised if he wasn't a top five or ten pick in this draft. And. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing about this, which we talked about it when, I don't know when we talked, we talked about it in a previous uh, 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 Imani Bates story in a previous episode of The Uncommitted about the idea that he may reclassify, you know, because right. this, this didn't, I guess, come out of thin air. But when we talked about it, it was like, you know, doing the math, you know, he can't enter the draft next year. So the idea that he would reclassify would mean he would have to do two years at the time at Michigan State. Right. Um and now it's it, it, he's going to go to Memphis. But this is also what makes this the most unprecedented reclassification we have ever seen in right. college basketball. Because every time a player has reclassified at this level, you may have a guy like, like Andre Dawkins that they reclassified and did right. his yeah. high school year at Duke. And Kyra Lewis did two years at Alabama. He was a year younger. But like at this level of like an, a surefire one-and-done guy, right. never happened where a guy did two years of college basketball. Yeah, a guy who, oh. if they left, would be a top pick easily. Yeah. Like, if yeah. they left their freshman year, who is now right. withheld from going because he hasn't yeah, because reached he's the, the age to get there. He's only 17 right now. He doesn't turn 18 until January. There and, was... And that's that's the thing, is that most of the guys we've seen re- reclassify, they're technically a lot of times going up to the age that they, they really should be at. Yeah, like Jalen Dern... You know, he's just trying – he's just starting his NBA clock early. You, right. you know, he's saying, why would I do next year high school basketball? And then I can't go to the draft because I'm still playing high school basketball. When right. I could go go to college now, I can graduate and go to the NBA. You know, that wouldn't make any sense for him to do two years of free basketball. Right. Um, but for, 
Imani Bates, at the time, the conversation was, why would you play two years of college basketball for free? Like, like James Wiseman had that opportunity when when Penny Hardaway got the job yeah. to follow Penny, you know, immediately and go to and go to Memphis and reclassify. But he was like, "Nah, I'm gonna do my senior year. You know, I'm not wasting, I'm not wasting my time." And we know that that would have been even worse for Wiseman because he probably would've, still would have been eligible and then he yeah. would have had to do two years uh, of no basketball. But for Imani Bates, the difference now. Uh, from everyone else that's ever had this decision is the NIL, you know, right. there's now this idea that you can make money playing college basketball. And not only can you make money, but you can make more money playing college basketball than you can playing high school or playing in the G league. Potentially that is what's the difference for someone like Imani Bates. And it's fascinating that we saw this not only with him, but also in college football with Quinn Ewers, who was the top mm-hmm. high school football player in the country uh heading into this senior season deciding in the middle of deciding two weeks ago basically around the same time as Imani Bates actually no I'm I'm going going straight to Ohio State because I can't profit off my NIL in the state of Texas yeah. so I'm going to I'm going to Ohio State and yeah. so that's the best player in high school football and the best player in high school basketball saying we're skipping our senior season uh to go straight to to the college game you know yeah, I don't it's I a don't different era yeah, I don't think you know we we got, we've been a, a little bit on hiatus on the show. We didn't really talk much about NIL. I think when it all came, you know, that whole thing shook out. But I mean, we have Paolo Bancaro who just signed with CAA. I mean, this oh, is, it's a crazy, it's a crazy. I mean, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, just again, this is it's kind of hard for me. It's hard to even like fathom yeah. that kind of situation. But he signed with CAA, uh, arguably the top agency. And look, we know CAA. De- I, I think it's definitely a top agency. Period in terms of sports and entertainment, but for sports arguably the top sports agency and CAA's they're going to be nice doing his, do. all his nil deals and ca has been nice to do i can't i'm not i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but you know zion and you know luke canard i don't you know i don't think it's a shock that paulo ends up with CAA, but that's that's an all-fair conversation yeah i mean so 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 this is a a as kendall said a very unprecedented time and i think imani bates will have an interesting decision after this year at memphis we know he will play this year does he decide, hey, I'm making so much bread at Memphis, why would I even consider going to the G League and taking that check? Uh, when, I mean, I think we all agree, it seems to me still you're you're still way more profitable playing college basketball than you are playing in the G we League. We talked about it, man, with, with Zion. That, that year that Zion did, right. this is what Imani Bates is doing. You know, he's not going to be as electric of a player as Zion, and that's no slight yeah, of Bates. Yeah. It's not going to be it. No one has ever been as Zion's electric as Zion. Zion's an on the college it's, yeah. You know, not, not anyone in the one and done era. So there's no slight on Bates. He's just not going to be Zion. Yeah. But he's going to be he's going to be close to that. This is as close you're going to get for a guy that's not Zion. But so he's going to have the ability to make that make that money that, you know, and have that that star power on the college game and be able to turn it into actual revenue for himself in, in ways that Zion couldn't and Trey Young couldn't yeah. and Kevin Durant couldn't. But then also he's going to come back for a sophomore season potentially and be the big, be the face of college basketball without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Like yeah. he, I can't call him the face of college basketball this season because be, I mean, there's other guys. Chet Holmgren's going to be a great guy, a great player to follow. And, and there are guys who are playing, you know, like like Johnny Juzang. You know, there are guys yeah, who Johnny are Juzang's coming back. back, you know, who are who are actually <laughs> you know? college basketball players. Exactly. But if Bates is as good as we think, and he's averaging, you know, 18 points as a freshman, and he yeah. comes back for his sophomore season, he's one undoubtedly the, the face of college basketball. So, you know, again, the money that he makes in that in that space, I mean, you know, it'll be hard for him to turn that down. Before we get to how Memphis looks as a team, we talk about the unprecedented nature of Bates's turn. I, I want to ask you, how well do you think he's going to play? I mean, I mean, this is a kid again, a seventeen-year-old kid who should be yeah. playing high school ball. He'll be, I guess, eighteen by the time this, the second half of the season starts. But yeah, but he's going to be one, younger than the. This will be one of the youngest college basketball players we've ever seen playing college basketball. Yeah, what what do you expect from him? Um, so the word that we've gotten, um, if you look at Memphis's roster, uh, I would say the, the one hole has been, uh, at the point guard spot, 
you know, uh, no, no, no lack to, uh, no, no, no slack to, uh, um, Alex Lomax, you know, gritty, gritty point guard, no doubt. Welcome back. But you're talking about, you know, winning, you're talking about winning a national championship, which you're getting these two kind of guys. You need yeah. high level point guard play. Um, and the word coming out of this, coming out of this commitment, and even Memphis fans reading the tea leaves going into it potentially was that he's going to be he's going to play point for this Memphis team. Jonathan Gavoni said that was part of the pitch. Jeff Goodman has said that is part of the pitch to get it, to to get uh, Imani Bates to Memphis was Penny Hardaway being the the big guard that he is, one of yeah. the all time best big guards uh, in the in basketball history, was able to get and sell Imani Bates on molding him to play that spot. I think that that is risky mm-hmm. for his age. Um, like you, you mentioned, being a younger player, um, at college basketball is not an easy. It's not an easy game, and no. we always talk about it, EJ. We could talk about yeah, Memphis playing in a smaller conference, and they're not in the ACC, and you know the non-conference schedule. But we've talked about it for years that these mid-major schools, they may not have seven-footers built like Jalen Dern. But they all have guards that can go. They all have yeah, guards that are going to compete, that right. are going to pick up full court. They're going to see yeah. Monty Bates, and they're going to lick their chops saying, this kid's 17 years old, you know, has never played this kind of pressure. Yeah. And that's going to be tough. And so, I look, the, the good thing is they have Alex Lomax on the roster. So it's not like he's going to be, you know, thrown into the fire necessarily. But um, I do think the point guard experiment is going to be a little bit of a work in progress for him. Um, but... The one thing I'll say, and I, and, I, and, I, and I'll ask if you agree, we talked about how he's not going to be eligible for the draft next season. That 2022, that 2023 draft um, features a guy named Victor Wembanyama, mm. who obviously, EJ, we watched in the uh, FIBA U19 World Cup be clearly the best prospect in the world right now. And... It's tough for Imani Bates, the guy who's been the next LeBron for the next Durant yeah. since he was 13, 14, to know that it's unlikely you're going to be the number one pick in the draft because we have this kid from France who's no, on, on, no doubt going to be number <laughs> one, barring you know barring injury. If Imani Bates is a 6'9 point guard who can pull up from 30 and can play make, is that a conversation? Does that become a Because right now, there is no conversation. Yeah. As much as yeah. I like Imani Bates, there's no right. conversation. If you watched Win by Yama, you would know there's no conversation. Yeah. But if Bates... Go, again, we talk about the way the NBA is played nowadays. Yeah. That becomes a conversation. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think in, in some ways, I, I think that probably was the pitch to Penny Hard, from Penny Hardaway as well. Not just, oh, you play point guard and, you know... You, yeah, it's gonna back. be fun to play. You're gonna be fun. You'll be a better player. And it's not. I think a lot of it will be look like you want to maximize your draft potential and your draft ceiling. Point guard's gonna be where it's at. Like we all know, you could score the ball at a super high level. We just saw a guy in Jalen Green who scores the ball as good as any young shooting guard yeah. we've seen in years, and he couldn't go number one. You know you who know was what? the best? You know who the best? One of the best high school basketball scorers I've ever saw. Yeah, Jason Tatum. Right, Jason Tatum was not talked about going number one no. by anybody, and he ended up being arguably the best player. In the yeah, NFL. and th- those guys end up being usually excellent. But it's just, yeah, it's just this idea that unless that guy is like just super, 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 super elite, is it? Sometimes those guys get overlooked. It's crazy like as it sounds. It's crazy, you know, like drafted a quarterback now. Yeah, it's crazy to think that someone like Jason Tatum or Jalen Green are, are are being underrated. But in some ways, that happens. So that used to be the archetype for a superstar. The, right. the Jordan, the Kobe, the LeBron, and now it's now it's the LeBron in the sense that you're the big playmaker. You're right, and so much of it is because not. so much is because the lead guard position. There is the the, the the rules are, are tilted so much to them. So much of these offenses are tilted so much to them that a, a guy on the wing is nice, but if you can get that guy could be your point guard, it just adds the value differently. It's just like James Harden when he was playing on the wing in Houston was a lot different than when Mike <laughs> Tony came in there and said, you're the point guard, and we saw him win MVPs. It was a different – it was immediately a different – we looked at him totally differently after yeah. that happened. So that, that was, like, the greatest example of, like, why if I'm Penny Hardaway and I'm pitching this kid to come to Memphis, I'm saying I can make you a big point guard, why this could change life for you. And I do 
to answer the question, I actually do think it would be a conversation if 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 if, if uh, Bates comes out and is just killing it at the point. It, it's kind of in some ways it's a little bit. I don't want to say unfathomable because again he's a super young player and guys improve and guys grow. He's just such a natural scorer. Part of me is just like, why why even wasting time with him at the point? It's almost like when you got like a closer who comes in and he's throwing a hundred. He's got this sick yeah. stuff and people are like, yeah, but we actually think he could be a starting pitcher and we're gonna start starting him. And it's yeah. like, man, I mean, he could be a great starting pitcher, but the guy throws one hundred five. Like, just let him go and throw one hundred five. That's yeah. how I feel about Bates. Like, I don't know if I'd be clamoring to change him into some point guard again if, if we really keep comparing to kevin durant kevin durant's pretty darn good last night yes. you know so 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 that's my feeling on it but i do feel like yes if he becomes a guy who also can just kill you getting downhill and, and initiating your offense then yeah, as be a special as, threat yeah then as special as when benyama is you have to then consider okay well now this guy is also a unicorn and then Maybe it gets flipped on Benyama when Benyama would say, okay, as nice as he is, he's a center. Like, does yeah. that then get into the conversation? <laughs> right now, he's yeah, seven. Val- positional value right. then becomes the conversation. Right. He's seven three and he can shoot threes and stuff. So that's why a lot of that stuff gets thrown away a little bit. But again, that changes if now Bates becomes the unicorn. It's like, okay, well, how special is Benyama? And, and you agree that right as of right now, there is no conversation. I Bates agree. I don't three. think there's a conversation. I you think know, Bates, it's hard Bates to... is number two to me. Yeah. And so that. that That'll be that. That'll be and look, he's got two years to play the position, so he may look like a deer headlights now, but if yeah. he and if he comes back for a sophomore season, you know he may he may be a much better player. Exactly. Sophomore, that'll be when he comes out, and that just the scouting experience of having a guy on that level playing college basketball for two years, uh, we've never seen it. Before. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I feel like I'm not convinced he's going to stay two years. That's like my gut. My we talked about tell- this at the time, yeah. Yeah, my gut tells me he will do the year and then he'll go somewhere else. I can't tell you where it will be, but something tells me that, like, he had a unique opportunity. Like, the way I think this all shook out was I think it was a point guard thing. And I think, for whatever reason, him and Duran have some kind of connection. They like playing with each other. And I think he had a unique opportunity to play with Duran, but the only way he could do it was to do this thing. And yeah. I think he's fine doing it. I think he's going to keep his options open after this season. But... Because I, I, I think that he's going to be the most – he's already a super scrutinized prospect. And yeah. he's going to become maybe the most scrutinized prospect we've ever seen in college basketball. Like there's – and that's, yeah, maybe, that sounds, maybe that sounds hyperbole. But when you think about that, like if he plays two years, like players of, uh, of his stature don't normally play two years. Yeah. The closest thing we had was, was Marcus Smart. Right, and Marcus yeah, Smart, not, he's not even in the same <laughs> universe yeah, not even in the same strategy. of talent as, you know, as he's this He's American Yeah, and that's, I mean, you know, no, you love Marcus Smart, the Celtic fan. Marcus Smart 100%. is a really good player. There's no diss to him. Just talking about pure supernova talent, there's not a comparison there. And look at what that to Marcus Smart. Right, look, exactly. Look what happened to him his sophomore Yeah, Smart went from <laughs> being was, a guy who people lot, are... Man. People assumed he'd be number one pick going into the sophomore year, and he had a really rough year. He played yeah. okay, but it was stuff on the court, you know, he, he some of the things we thought he'd be better at, he didn't improve as much, and we were just picking apart his game left and right. It was a lot. So, so if yeah. that was a lot for Marcus Smart, I mean, what do you think Imani Bates is going to go through? So it's gonna it's gonna be a lot. And we know Marcus Smart, and again, no no slight on Bates, but we know Imani, and we know uh, Marcus Smart's a tough son of a gun, mm-hmm. and that weighed on him. Yeah, you know, it was it was a difficult load for him on the shoulder. You know, I you know it's gonna take a lot for someone like Imani Bates to go through that for two. Years, actually, you know? that reminds, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm speaking into existence. I actually would love to talk to Marcus Smart about Imani Bates. I think he'd be the best person to talk to because he'd be the only person in recent memory that we could bring this yeah. up. There are some like football players where we have a guy who we thought was gonna be a yeah, junior, like Trevor Lawrence, like a Matt Liner, or someone like that. Or I was even thinking someone who likes who like. All got to their third to year, and we and all assumed they would be in NFL, but they played another year. So, yeah, Andrew yeah. Locke, Matt Liner, there are a couple guys in there where you say, I like those guys for football we see more often. But, this again, this does not happen in basketball. So, um, Smart would actually probably be a great place to talk to about, like, what was that year like coming in when everyone's <laughs> saying you're number one and you getting this crazy scrutiny that you got all that you did not have as a freshman yeah. when everyone loved your game. So, yeah. real quickly, what do you think in uh, terms of Memphis's ceiling as a team? I mean – 
we talked about Jason Duran signing on. You talked about some of their holes, but Gonzaga is still a beast. Still got a load of roster. UCLA, they they bring a ton of guys back. They have some recruits coming in. A lot of excitement um, in Westwood. There's a lot of excitement at, with Duke as well. That maybe you know Coach K's final uh, last dance will be uh, will, will involve some net cutting because they've got a great recruiting class coming in. That's as funny. Well. You know, the last 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 uncommitted we did, Coach K was uh, was still the coach at Duke. I know. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> sorry to the sorry to the fans that have been wanting to hear all of our takes. Well, yeah, what do you guys think about Coach K retiring? You should have listened to Sports Talk, man. No yeah, we did talk about it on Sports Talk. Yes, we yeah. and of course this is you'll probably see it on this lower third here. It's a great time to make sure check out our uh, our podcast on New Generation Podcast Network. We do Sports Talk every week, um, where stuff that doesn't get on a committee will go on there, or we'll preview a conversation on there that comes on uncommitted, but. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of excitement around a lot of other teams in college basketball. Memphis now, right now becomes the hot team, but are they the are they the team? Are they the team to beat? And what is their ceiling now with these two guys on the roster? Um, So what's fascinating about this Memphis team, as opposed to, like, Gonzaga, mm-hmm. who um, obviously at this point Gonzaga's a blue blood. You know, I hate to say it, you know, as a Memphis fan who, you know, we used to have a pretty, pretty I strong to, I love to hear it. Back in the day. You know, but the modern college basketball game, we can't think about 1985, what basketball was in 1985. If that's the case, Georgetown's a blue blood and St. John's is a blue blood. But, you know, Syracuse, Indiana. But, like, you know, when is the last time any of those schools have done anything? You know, like, Zag is a blue blood in the modern college basketball It's almost like, it's almost like, uh, I I was watching the shop the other day. It's almost like, I don't necessarily, like, I I got a lot of track for Jamal Hill and I love hip hop. I I don't necessarily agree with this. With right, this with, idea, yeah, but when she was talking about like hip hop and like how your top five has to change because we get yeah, new yeah. stuff all the time and guys get better or women get better, so you can't just have Biggie and Pac in top five forever. It's a hip hop yeah. purist, as you guys can see the back. I mean, a Biggie and Pac <laughs> could be in my top five forever, but but nonetheless, I like I got I get the premise, and to me, right, it, it definitely applies to like what we think of college basketball and the college landscape of sports. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. run around saying Indiana is a blue blood. They haven't. I mean, when was the last time Nebraska went to that second? Football. I don't remember when the last time with that second weekend in the NCAA tournament. You know, I mean, all we talk about is is Indiana going to be back? Like they can't be there if they're trying to talk about them getting back to something. So, yeah. so I totally agree with that. And Gonzaga right now, um, despite not having a championship, I mean, the, the amount of wins the teams they put together year in and year out, there's no doubt they're one of the top programs in the country right now. But because they're because they're a blue blood, they're, they 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 schedule like a blue blood. They yeah. schedule like a team that expects to be, you know, in the Final Four, that expects to compete for national championships. And um, as reflected by that, uh, Gonzaga this year, EJ, they have games against uh, – they start season against Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a game the week after against UCLA. Uh, three days later, they play Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, the next week, they play Alabama, another top ten mm-hmm. team. Another team to look at this year. Uh, two weeks later, they played Texas Tech on national yeah, TV. Right. So that's the Gonzaga non-conference schedule. That's a blue blood schedule. That's a team trying to win. I don't want, first of all, I don't want anyone to say Gonzaga doesn't play people. Somehow <laughs> that somehow that narrative still starts, and I'm like, did you watch the first half of the season? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. That, well, that's, like, no, I, like, that's the thing. No. Right, right. They don't. The people like us, nobody yeah, watches right. it. They watch college football. Right. And so when they start watching, it's like, well, like, Zag is playing Loyal Marimont again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, uh, they played Duke last month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Memphis's non-conference schedule uh, includes St. Louis, uh, Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played the, in the NIT uh, against Virginia Tech, and then Iowa State and Xavier uh, or Xavier, uh, Ole Miss. They also play Alabama and Tennessee. So uh, mostly SEC schools, but. You know, only Alabama and Tennessee, you know, in Nashville, not a neutral site game, are top twenty-five opponents on right. the schedule. Um, so it's it's just, I mean, they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna run through this schedule. I mean, the American, you know, is gonna be it's gonna be a cakewalk. Um, you know, those games against Houston will be legit. Yeah, um, just because I mean, we know Calvin, Calvin Sampson is bringing he's bring, he's bringing dogs. <laughs> it don't matter. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I don't even know who on their roster. But I know they. Yeah, dogs. I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you. I know Quentin Grimes isn't going to be there. I know Dijon Giroux is not going to be there. Be there, but they got dogs but, in that roster. Yeah, they're still going to have guys that are going to compete. Yeah. Um. So that's not going to be an easy game, but the rest of the American, you know, Wichita, 
you know, should be pretty decent. They, they should but, be pretty good. Like, you know, the Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati's bringing in their third coach in, you know, four years. Yeah. Um, you know, and the rest of the conference is basically Conference USA. So this this is like, this is a very unique kind of experiment. We didn't really get to see it. I mean, Precious Achua was like American Conference Player of the Year. And yeah. no, I mean, Precious Achua was, was a very good player, but like, yeah. he wasn't Jalen Duran or Imani Bates. Right. I don't think. Yeah. So... What were the, what what are these guys gonna do in the American? So, I mean, it's I mean, I don't expect them to lose more than two games this season, two or three games this season. I, wow. Maybe they have more rough more rough uh, stretches than I expect. But what people forget is that this Memphis team, you know, yeah, they they lost Boogie Ellis and Musa Cisse to transfer. Uh, I mean, that's a hell of a trade to be trading Boogie Ellis for. You know, no disrespect to those guys. But yeah, the trade, yeah. Go you know, for Monty Bates and he said for Duran. Yeah, you'll do that trade every day, of course. Yeah, yeah. if you're Penny Hardaway, you'll take that trade. And then this is the same team that, you know, pretty much outside of those guys, DJ Jeffries also transferring. Most of most of these guys are back from a team that won the NIT. Yeah. And at the the second half of the season was one of the best teams in the country, you know, outside of a couple of losses to Houston. So, right. um, close losses to Houston. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I think this team. I would be surprised this team doesn't, you know. If we're, we're, I think this is the second weekend team. If you're if you're asking me, I think it's the second weekend. And once you get into the second weekend, now it becomes a crapshoot. It becomes matchups. Right. It becomes, you know. I know as a Memphis fan, it was a long time ago. But I remember yeah. the Tyree Evans team being a shoe in for the Final Four, and then <laughs> you just run into Damari Carroll in Missouri. Missouri <laughs> Sometimes yeah. matchups. And I know you know as a Gonzaga fan. Oh yeah, yeah. We run into uh, you know a Texas Tech and. You know, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know the kid from uh, who gets got traded from the Timberwolves. Uh, oh, Jared Culver. Yeah, you're joining Jared Culver, and, <laughs> and and the way those guys were playing, you know, you, you exactly again, you think you're a shooter yeah. for the Final Four, not meant to be sometimes. So yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think a lot of times it's you're trying to get to that second weekend, you know, because that's when you're you're kind of separating the pretenders from the contenders. Anybody who can't get out of the second weekend, those teams. They, they were never real threats to win a national championship, including teams that get upset. Like, if you were a number two, three seed, and you're getting bounced in the second round or first round, you weren't no real championship contender. You had a great season. But you shouldn't you shouldn't be losing to the kind of teams that you'll be going up against in those early rounds. Second weekend is when you really separate the men from the boys, for lack of a better term. And, I mean, I agree. I think Memphis 100% looks like a second weekend team. Um, at that point, it's kind of, again, any anything goes, you know. Like in like, you, we would have thought Zion and them guys were shooting for the final four, and they ran into some tough sons of a guns in uh, Michigan State yeah. with, with Winston, uh, with, uh, with uh, Winston and um, and uh, Langford and, and Langford and all those guys. I mean, so um, Tillman. That's what I was trying to go. So you know, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it depends on what happens there, and they're very young. They're gonna, not necessarily a young team, but they, their stars are young. So sometimes, like. Yeah. Those guys, big game, one day they don't show up. You know, it's tough to say. It's not like the NBA playoffs where the best team usually stick around, you know, because they you got to beat them four times. Yeah. And, look, we can talk about the recruiting class. And, I mean, look, the recruiting class is great. You know, we talked about Josh Minot at the mm-hmm. Irishman Classic looking really good. You know, John Can- yeah. John Candon, the guy we talked about, you know, when he committed. You know, hell of a shooter. Um, this team, I mean, this is going to be a really deep team. The Lawson brothers. Uh, transferring, you know, from Oregon, um, they 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 have ro- they have players on the roster, yeah. but um, Gonzaga has a hell of a recruiting class. You I mean, know, yeah. we did. I mean, did we talk about the fact that Nolan Hickman, yeah, you know, Hickman. Yeah, you know, ends up transferring now. to Gonzaga, or, yeah, or you know, decommitting from uh, from Kentucky and going yeah. to Gonzaga. Yeah, and um, Hickman. Uh, we I talked we talked about it in the during the, uh, the Iverson Classic video. I mean, he was one of the more impressive guards. In that yeah, game. I mean, you, yeah, you loved him in that video. Yeah, and um, and he, the, I mean, he's gonna be, because I guess what backup point guard. He was out playing at, you know, Jamal Crawford's league in yeah, Pro-Am yeah. in Seattle. Him and Chet. Yeah, Salas, um, Salas brought up all the Gonzaga guys. And, yeah, and, and they were they were killing it. And that that's like, and yeah, he's gonna be the backup. I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have Andrew Nimhard. Yeah. They've got again Hunter Salas. Who may be a top ten pick? Who you know? There's who, a, lot a lot of people think he. A lot of people think he's gonna be a point guard. Like I mean, like I mean, I I mean I'm biased. I'm wearing a Zaga shirt. I mean, yeah. 
I still feel like Gonzaga is the team to beat. As we know now, that doesn't mean much. You're still trying to win a right, national right. championship. Yeah. But if we're saying who's the team to beat, who do we, I as a team going into that tournament as the team that's probably going to be number one or the team you kind of see most likely to go all the way through. I think the Zags are there. But uh, I think UCLA is still going to be really good. Um, I forgot who it was. I want to say it was maybe. I want to say maybe it was, I don't know. I don't think it was Rothstein, but one of them mentioned uh, one of the key players in UCLA is going to be watching this year is Tiger Campbell, because um, we talk about that point guard play, and veteran, how, how steady you need that play yeah. to be when time you get to the tournament. And he was exceptional in this last play and not so. I know we talk about Juzang's shot making ability, but he was so steady at the one. I don't know if yeah. any of these other teams that we're talking about. That's what Memphis maybe Gonzaga. I mean, Nemhard's really good with Gonzaga, but I think like that's one thing for UCLA that they have an advantage that they have a guy who you feel very confident with the ball in his hands. He's not going to make mistakes. There before. And yeah, and he just went through a crazy run, going up against a lot of other really good guards and really holding his own. So yeah, more than holding his own in some instances. So so I you know with him with Juzang. Um, with Hakez, I mean they, I mean they got a squad. So I, I think Memphis is probably a notch below those teams. Yeah. Um, but I think after that, I think you, you like them and Duke is like is like I think Duke and Memphis is is you know yeah. it's just how do you feel about the brands? Right. You know, like yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. You, you like Duke's you know brand a little better, but you know, I mean Bancaro and AJ Griffin, you know, and and you know Bates and Duran. If you flip it, I mean, most people would have, would say that Duke is the better team, just because and just because of the brand, because of the yeah. the, the, the appeal. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's going to be a fascinating college basketball season. That would, by the uh, way, also be a hell of an NBA Jam matchup. <laughs> we just got rid of everybody else on both rosters and said, "Oh, you guys play two on two. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We want to watch that game. Um, but let's talk about the rest the rest of the class of twenty twenty two because. Again, by, by most accounts, Bates and Dern were the two top guys in their class. Those guys move on. So now you have a, a next crop of guys. Who do you look at as number one out of the guys that are left? I mean, uh, Keontae George recently committed to Baylor. I've been really super impressed watching his game recently. Amari Bailey, uh, star out of Sierra Canyon. His celebrity will rise now that more guys are out of the picture and he moves up, I see 247 Sports, I think, has him at number one right now. Um, there are plenty of other really good players. What, what, how do you see the rest of the class shaking out? And then who do you see as the number one guy right now? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a, a, this is a hotly debated. This, is, this might be the most open situation. And not, not a surprise because... Yeah. You know the two, the two yeah, top guys. Two supernovas are gone. You know, they were <laughs> so, clearly the top two. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it really leaves a void. And I think, look, we'll see throughout the high school season which guy really takes that mantle, and throughout the All Star games, hopefully, we can have all you yeah. know All Star games. Um, we just had the the Slam uh, Summer Classic. Um, and Chris, Chris uh, at, it was at Gaucho's gym, uh, and and Chris Livingston from uh, Ohio yeah. just won MVP, and he, I mean, he's a guy I know Memphis uh, is recruiting yeah, really hard, very hard on him, yeah. um, and you know he reminds me a lot of Jalen Brown. He's in the conversation. Uh, Derek Lively is a is a seven footer from Pennsylvania who played on the same AU team with Duran and, and and Bates, and at one point. So people thought he was the three, the third best guy. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was watching. I was watching. Remember, we when we were watching that game between Duran and uh, and Bates. I kept saying, "Who's this? Who's this light skin guy? That can that can jump? <laughs> yeah. This guy, he looked like a young, uh, he like a young Jericho Sims, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I was very impressed. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Like, who he played for? That guy's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people throw out Tyson Chandler. They throw out Willie Cauley Stein as guys to, to to compare him to. So there's a lot of guys, you know, and Shaden Sharp's a kid from Canada that people that really lit it up on the Nike circuit. So I I lean right now, Keontae George. Um, you know, he he's got a he's got a game. Like sometimes you can watch guys similar to Jaden Hardy in the in the in the twenty in the twenty one class, where they just have they got pro games. They've got NBA ready skill sets, 
And yeah. to me, that's what that's what Keontae George has the the shot creation on the perimeter. He's not the most explosive, you know. He's not, you know, again the the, the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. He's a little undersized. So you're saying he's not the EST of uh, the 2022 class? <laughs> no, he's not the EST. <laughs> but he, I mean, Baylor is going to be a perfect fit, yeah. you know, in terms of, um, you know, him being able to. We'll see what they look like next season. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously we know that, you know, the, the ghosts of da- Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler will be, you know, over the Baylor program with their absence, uh, next season. He's going to, he's going to be able to fill that void when he comes in next year. And, um, you know, I mean, I would, he looks like a guy that I expect to average, you know, 17, 18 points in college basketball. Like I'm not saying he's going to be Trey Young. He's not going to, he's not going to be Shreve Cooper. He's averaging 10 assists, but we're talking about filling it up. Uh, he fits that mold. Yeah, I, I I really have become really impressed with George's game. I know his commitment to Baylor was some a little bit of a surprise to some people, but I I, I yeah, I, Texas I, was in on him very early. Yeah, and it it looked it, it felt Beard has had so much momentum. It felt like whoever he wanted, he was getting, especially in the state of Texas. So this was a a big win for Drew. But yeah, I mean George is just so smooth. Um, he like you said, I like that. Like the words you use in terms of describing his game. When I watch him, he just seems to have a very mature game. Like yes. seeing him just kind of dissect defenses in a way. Like I'm always impressed with the guys. And look, all these guys are very athletic. More athletic than the guys are going against. Even a guy like George, who is athletic. But I'm impressed with the guys where I'm watching them. I feel like they're dominating these guys. And it's not because of their athleticism. They're dominating them because. He, his brain is so much far farther advanced than everyone he's going against, right. and his skill set matches that. And that's to me what what I see when I see George. Um, he's thinking three steps ahead in terms of when he's making moves to the basket, beating. A lot of times, guys will talk about it's not about being the first guy; it's about being the second and third guy, and that's what makes a great player. I see George routinely seem to figure out how to get past that guy, and again, not necessarily just by jumping over him. Um, Amari Bailey is a a great athlete. He reminds me a lot of R.J. Barrett. He's a little shorter, but I, I think he can I grow an inch or two, and he may end up being very similar to R.J. Barrett. Uh, but similar to R.J. Barrett, and I think what, what hurt Barrett a little bit in terms of, like, by the time we got to, like, the season and people started seeing, okay, who's number one, who's number two, like, I, I think that he relies a lot on just being more physically mature than everyone he's up against. I mean, his, his like, athleticism and dexterity is just ridiculous, you know? And in some ways, RJ was the same way. He was just a lot stronger, a lot more athletic than the guys he was going up against. So it allowed him to just kind of just bully guys around and dominate. Doesn't mean the guy's not a great player. Amari Bailey is a great player. Yeah. But I think when it comes to, like, projecting guys for how they'll play in their freshman year and then how they'll be as NBA guys, to me, George, to me, is number one. Bailey's probably two. I like Livingston. We didn't mention uh, Derek Whitehead. From Brick, uh, from Brick City, um, yeah, man. playing at Mount Bird. Another, another uh, really good athlete, yeah. another physically yeah, mature player. He's going to Duke University. We got Deion Johnson as well. His brother plays Oregon. linebacker for the for the yeah. Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that's all so you need to know about that. Yeah, you know, that's all you need to know about Whitehead's game <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of like uh, the physicality he plays with. But again, another very physically mature kid. This this class. I mean, we already had we had Duran in the class, so I should have told you everything. But this class has, a, to me, a lot of very physically mature kids, like uh, yeah. like Bailey, George, Livingston, Whitehead, uh, Lively, like all of these guys are, you know, uh, even Jarvis Walker. If you go down further, like these guys are not oh, these are guys with kids' bodies that you're waiting for them to develop. These guys can play. These guys have the college bodies now. Now, whether their mind's there and whether their skill set is there, we don't know. But yeah, but this is a very physically mature class, and um, so I think a lot of these guys, they, the reason why they're high is, is physically, the the physical maturity the, they have. The difference becomes who has the mind and the skill set. The last thing George is is a slight notch above everybody else for me. The last thing uh, with the twenty twenty two class is that we also have to watch out for it in this new landscape. You know, what if a kid like DJ Wagner? Says, right. look, man, the 2023 class is too easy. I'm clearly the number one guy. Yeah. Let me move up to 2022. Um, and maybe I do two years like Imani Bates does. Yeah. If this Bates thing goes well. Um, 
or maybe the rule changes by then. That's the thing about Imani Bates is that the NBA could, at the stroke of a pen, make a deal with the Players Association and say guys can leave. Early. And the, and the, they and really the, want and the rumor has been that the year has been the 2023 year. Right. That's it been, it's slowed down. Yeah, but it's, it's slowed down, but that, that had been the rumor. Motion, yeah. they could, if the wheels stopped, they can get him back in motion, <laughs> you know, if they yeah. really wanted to. And, it may, and, again, maybe it doesn't for the for the Bates class, maybe he does for Wagner. So, um, that I mean, he's a he's a kid that you know, if he reclassified, would also very much be in that conversation. Yeah, he as absolutely has he absolutely has a case to be a number one guy. I mean, DJ, is the skill I mean, set. I mean, I, I saw Purvis Ellison, who I believe works with his AAU team mm-hmm. um, director or something like that. Uh, obviously, Purvis Ellison, <laughs> you know, NBA, right. you know, legal legend, NBA right. grade, whatever. Um, he said he compared him to uh, Kyrie Irving in John Wall's body, and with John Wall's athleticism, and I mean that's just like that's the so, ultimate point. So, so, so he's his dad. Yeah, yeah I know, right? You know, I mean, that- I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know, and I know a lot of uh, especially young folks who didn't see his dad play. I mean, his dad, his his dad may still be the best high school guard I've ever seen, even to yeah. today. I mean, I think now maybe Rose maybe passed him, but I mean, his dad scored, a, his dad scored 100 points in a high school game. I mean, again, so yeah. all you need to know about how good uh, Dewan Wagner was, uh, obviously the sickness he dealt with kind of, you know. Yeah, the reason I'm a career. Memphis fan. As, right, uh, facts. Yeah, 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 you were a young <laughs> Dewan Wagner. A young Dewan Wagner fan. But yeah, his, his kid can go man um again i agree that athleticism but then also to combine it with the skills the handle yeah. uh, i was watching him a little bit at I mean, Peach he's, Jam, he's, and i will serious. say he he right now because he's young he plays mm-hmm. very he like the, he played he does have that john wall thing where he plays really fast and so he's yeah. gonna have to slow down a little bit but you know I, that's also but with guards you always want you always want to you always feel more comfortable having to slow them down than trying to speed them up, because the, the speed of the game sometimes can get ahead of guys who aren't ready for it again physically and mentally. Guys going 100 miles an hour, I can get him to say, "Hey, rain in, young fella. You know, run the offense. You're going too fast. See the floor. That you can teach. Sometimes you just can't teach a guy to play faster, or to even just adjust to the, the speed of the game being much more intense. You know, that's that's something that sometimes is out of your control." I also want to give a shout out real quick to a young man in the 2022 class who just got his first D1 offer, Hansel Emanuel. Uh, oh kid, yes, big shout out. Um, let me get the let me get the know, round of applause of it for him. He here. has uh, obviously, if you've, you you may have seen him on social media, uh, he's a terrific, he's a terrific basketball, yeah, yeah. Uh, terrific basketball player. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, has one arm, obviously. Uh, if you've seen the videos, he's still dominant uh, at the high school level. Yeah, he'll still uh, smoke played... with that one arm. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. played, you know, all the best players on on the circuits, uh, and has competed at the highest level with those guys. Played in these All Star games, played in in these in these showcase games, and uh, has never been held back by it. Uh, but nope. for whatever reason, didn't have any D one off. It was the most bizarre thing. Mm-hmm. And so he finally got his first D1 offer from the Tennessee State Tigers. Uh, Shout out. Nashville, Tennessee, Coach Penny Collins, uh, HBCU, like you mentioned. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm just happy for, for Emmanuel. Cause, nice. I mean, you know, the kid can play. It will be very interesting, you know, obviously to see him on the, on the, on the college level. Um, this is never something I've never seen before. At this level, I don't. I mean, I haven't watched basketball as long as you. There, are, you know, plenty of people that watch longer than us. But um, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody play at, at the D one level. Yeah, with, not with not at this level. I've seen uh, players with, with you know disabilities, you know, play high school basketball and play. Yeah, uh, yeah, one but, but but not again. This kid has, has been playing elite high school basketball and is aspiring to play college basketball at a high level. And he's 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 really good. First of all, I mean, he's a marvel to watch. I mean, a guy playing right, you know, with one arm. I think, and, I think and being able to actually for, be for, a really good player, you know. I what what held what I think I would imagine what held a lot of people back was this idea that you know, oh, like he's going to be limited in what he can do. Um, 
but some but and there are ways in which I think it actually helps him that you know he he's had to do more and so he's almost more coordinated with no. what he has and it, it's 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 fascinating to watch and um you know I and I, I think at the next level you know it, it'll be it'll be super exciting to see 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 what happens but yeah Daniel, uh, I think a... this is only the first to come too I think once the once the first coach made the move I think you'll see others say yeah because we're missing cause, something here yeah and also you know I think there are some coaches who may be apprehensive to uh, and this is unfortunate because you know at the end of the day he's a kid following his dream but some people that may feel like oh well there's a lot of attention to my program maybe I don't want all this attention now I argue this is a amazing story I don't know why you wouldn't want this kind of story with your program but there are coaches I guarantee you there are coaches who think that but I think right. on the yeah, flip side I don't want to feel I don't want to feel like I got to play him or whatnot. Play him and yeah, you know, whatever nonsense exactly. But but then on the flip side, there will be coaches who maybe there's a, a hinge of opportunism there, and that's not great either. But at least it's you know helping this kid. They may say, oh well, this is a great story, a great way to boost our program by, yeah. by giving this kid. And a if shot. you're Tennessee State, let's be honest. I mean, look, getting Hersey Miller, you know, masterpiece was a great move yeah. for them. It's a great opportunity. But you know, how many to- how many times is a is a All American you know, level guy or a guy playing yes, a, high school uh, all-star. High, yeah, high school Filthy. celebrity. He's one of the most well. No, zero offers. Yeah. Like, come to our school. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, he's yeah, he is one of the most, if not the most well-known high school basketball player right now. Yeah. He, he might and be the most. You're right, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, outside of, you know, the, the Mikey Williams level guys, you know, and but in terms of, like, in terms of guys that have crossover appeal, you know, to, like, Non basketball fans that people will be rooting yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, I saw a story. I don't know how many. Like, I saw something. He has like millions of followers on social media. Yeah, I mean, this is like this. He's a celebrity. You yeah. Know? So and an inspiration beyond just celebrity. I mean, that's the most important yeah. thing, obviously. Um, yeah. He, he's an inspiration. Look, he's gonna be a hero to a lot of kids. Let's keep it real. He's gonna be able to make a lot of money. Yeah. On the NIL in college basketball, Definitely, no matter where. For sure. You know, yeah. and so and that, that and he just seems like a great kid. Uh, every time I hear him talk on an interview. Yeah, he doesn't, he, you know he doesn't he 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 doesn't use um you know his he doesn't feel like his disability is any is limiting him in any way he not, yeah. goes about his business as, as any normal player would um yeah. and competes he doesn't yeah he doesn't feel sorry for himself in any way so you know again super super excited you know yeah man shout out to Daniel um, congrats to him whether it's Tennessee State whether it's another school I'm hoping we get to see him play D1 ball and see him continue to pursue his dream. Not letting anything get in his way. If you, if you have any motivation to get get to your dream, get up off your behind and, and go for it, that kid is walking inspiration every time he steps on the basketball court. So respect to Emmanuel. Shout out to everybody who checked out this week's uh this month's edition of the Uncommitted Podcast. I know it's been a minute, this is episode nine. We're closing it up. We're getting that, that double digit number, Kendall. And getting we've been we've been starting this thing for a little while now. We're getting to 10 in the next episode, and we'll just keep going. So a lot of exciting stuff to come. That's because you're off. Mm-hmm. But the, I just want to say the one thing that we that we never we never mentioned with, with, with Memphis is also that they hired Larry Brown and uh, Rasheed Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> so footnote. And to me, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think to me those guys, you know, they sign on because they, they know what's coming. Yeah, isn't that yeah, isn't that funny? Like yeah. Larry Brown, I don't think takes you a job if you don't no, think no, that no. they're decent there. No, you, you know, neither does he has opportunity. Gee. This, this, and this, 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 this no, Larry Brown. This helps his legacy. This is another great opportunity. You know, he love he yeah. that man truly loves coaching. He would he would love to just yeah. actually be around these young men and yeah. teach coach these guys up. And Sheed continuing to grow his platform as a head coach or grow profile that platform, grow his profile as a coach. He's been coaching and assistant coaching in the NBA and things like that, helping teams out. This helps him as yeah. well. Yeah. Isn't it funny how where EJ, where is Imani Bates from? Michigan. Where is Jalen Duran from? Philly. Uh where is Rasheed Wallace from? Philly. Where 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 did he win a championship? Michigan. Where, where did Larry Brown coach his first NBA finals? In Philly. <laughs> where where did he win an NBA championship? Michigan. Isn't that funny? I, I yeah. don't know how that happened. <laughs> what are the Who's odds? to say how that all shook out? Huh? Very interesting how these games are played. <laughs> but man, that's a great way to close the show. Really enjoyed this conversation. Really enjoyed this podcast. 
Uh, thank you guys for checking us out. Of course, we come with the Uncommitted about every month with the latest in the high school basketball, recruiting, landscape, and college basketball as a whole. Really fun podcast. Every time we get to do it, I have a blast, and this was another great one. Of course, big news with Imani Bates committing to Memphis. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure, for one, you subscribe to our channel, New Generation Media, to get the video version of this podcast that comes out every month. Make sure you also subscribe to our uh, our regular podcast, our audio podcast. That can be found on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thank you guys again for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.